stats, stories, how you use them. T-minus three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Hello, welcome to BizDoc Podcast. We've got some things to cover here that I think are going to be very useful to you, whether you're an entrepreneur, an intrapreneur, running a t-shirt company in Berlin or a technology company somewhere in the United States. We've got some things you can use, and it's a lot of stuff that's related to the economy right now as we're sitting here in November 2023 when we bring this to you. What we've got this week, we have got Helocs, the other savings account and the other credit card for consumers. And we also have some stories on consumer bankruptcy. I'm going to explain to you how it's happening. We're hearing about WeWork bankruptcy. We're hearing about a lot of the things in the news. What does it really mean for you? And what's the big difference between personal and company bankruptcies? And why is that significant? So let's go right off into it. And I forgot to say this too. Guess what? I've got a follow-up to the WeWork case study. So many of you are asking about the bankruptcy of WeWork. I'm covering the bankruptcy today. About two months ago in August, we covered WeWork, like what the hell happened? What's up with the stock? And there's all these things. We have a follow-up based on bankruptcy that happened this week with more lessons for you and me. So let's roll into it. The first chart we have here is HELOX. HELOX stands for Home Equity Line of Credit. And so in this first chart, there we go. You can see here, this is HELOC activity dating back to 2001. And the blue bars, if you're listening in your car, or you're listening on Spotify, and you're just, you're listening to this, the audio version of the podcast, what we're seeing is a chart here that shows a huge spike around 2005, 6, 7, 8 with HELOCs, back when, before the financial crisis and the housing crash in 08, all the values of properties went up. So people that had bought a house and all of a sudden it's up 50%, they would grab that HELOC and some of them are doing improvements to the house, like a kitchen or bathrooms or put in a pool or a new roof. That's the normal use of HELOCs. The bad use of HELOC, as we found during the financial crisis, is when people use it to pay down credit cards or maybe they pay for tuition for their kids. And I needed money, but that's like lifestyle related. And if the house price goes down, you are in trouble because now you're underwater, and that's exactly what happened in 2008, among other things. Then the chart shows the HELOC activity dropping way down in 2011, 12, 13, gently cruising up 17, 18, and suddenly in the bounce year of 21, when property prices went through the roof, the chart spikes up. So now we've got HELOCs up again. Now, we talked about that in third quarter, the American consumer took credit card debt from around $500, $600 billion all the way to a trillion dollars by the end of Q3, which was October 1st. Now we're also seeing HELOC activity jumping up. Well, sometimes HELOC is called the other credit card for reasons I just described. So now the question is, did people buy those houses at a time when prices were up and renovate them? Probably not. But the people that had houses when the prices went up, now they get access to the money. And the question is, we're going to see in Home Depot and Lowe's and Home Improvement, if those earnings reports are good, that means the HELOC dollars, hey, I got a HELOC. I got another 100000 in equity. I go get a HELOC, a line of credit. I'm going to do my kitchen. Those dollars should go from my bank to me to Home Depot to contractors. Make sense? 
If that doesn't happen, it means they went from the bank to me, then to my credit card or maybe tuition for my kids. So I use them for other things. And remember, this is only spending you can do once. And if you, like I do, believe there is going to be a national um, erosion in prices as soon as interest rates come down, which is probably not until end of first quarter next year, March, April timeframe, that's when the Fed is expected to do maybe one drop. That's what's going to be. So the important thing is if you want to keep tabs in the economy and just stay up to date, look at credit card balances and look at HELOCs. You can search them for time to time. And even if you're running a plumbing supply in Norfolk, Virginia, you can sit down and, and keep yourself apprised of the big things that are going to affect your consumer's ability to afford things, whether it's jobs and dollars, which is the best way, and wages going up, which has not been happening, or they're using credit cards or the big credit card connected to the equity in their house, the HELOC. So what happens when all that goes wrong? Well, we have bankruptcies. And I want to talk a little bit about bankruptcy because I got a couple comments and people were asking. So let's go to the next chart. This is total bankruptcy filings for the years ending June 30th. So these, this takes you back five years. So if you're watching, you can see the chart. And if you're listening, I'm going to take you through it. It shows that from 2019 to 2023, let's start with Chapter 7 bankruptcies. Chapter seven is personal bankruptcy, and the personal bankruptcy is when there is no hope of you paying your debts. And by the way, 60% of personal bankruptcies in the United States of America over the last three years are for people that make less than 30,000 a year. Now, when you take a bankruptcy filing to court, the court does what's called a means testing. Do you really have the means to pay your debts, but they need to be spread out and your credit card limits need to come down so you can't be a damn fool? Sometimes that's what the court says. But a chapter seven bankruptcy says there is no hope of you paying this off. Let me give you an example. You had limited health insurance and you suffered a horrible injury and it's not covered by workers comp. It was a sports industry injury. And you've got $30,000, $40,000 of medical expenses to repair your leg. Well, you make thirty grand a year. That's a full year's salary. It would take you 10 to 15 years to probably pay that off at that rate. So under Chapter 7 bankruptcy, they will probably limit that down to three, dollars $4,000 or wipe it out. Chapter 7 is known as No Hope Bankruptcy for Consumers. And it was 475000 in 2019, 436000 in 2020. That was when we went into COVID and people weren't working and they went home and they were furloughed. It wasn't just work from home. It was sit from home. Well, guess what? When the economy got good, 2022, Chapter 7, No Hope Bankruptcies was 239000 this year, it's still 239000 which means no hope bankruptcies in the United States have leveled off. But then you go to Chapter 13. Chapter 13 says, when the court says, nope, you can't file Chapter 7, we're not going to wipe out these debts. Chapter 13 for personal bankruptcies, personal, means you've got the ability to pay because you've got a good job, but we need to stretch this out. And maybe we'll trim down the balances a little bit but you need to stretch this out and you need to turn down your credit card spending, maybe sell the car with the big payment and get something else. You need to take action. So chapter 13 is you're in a payment plan, you're with a, a debt counselor 
And the, and the court may say, no, 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 you can't find, nope, sorry. You, your means, the means test, you have the means to pay, is high enough that you need to be paying some of this off, but you got to stop spending like a damn fool and take, take action here. Well, chapter 13, there was 290,000 of them in 2019. 237, it dropped in 2020. And 118,000, it dropped in 21. So in other words, the bankruptcies dropped going into COVID. But look what happened. 2022, the market was good, but chapter 13 bankruptcies, in other words, restructurings and a little bit of cancellation of debt for people that have the means to pay, according to a plan, popped up to 136,000 in 2023. And we're not even done. It's 173,000. So the bankruptcies have been level over two years for people that have no hope. They have medical or a problem, whatever it is, and they don't make a lot of money. 60% of, of them, $30,000 or, or less on annual income. But chapter 13s are coming up. So what it says is that there's a little shift starting to happen in the economy. Now, you got to remember, there's 330 million people in the United States of America. And when you look at these, these filings, this can seem like a lot, but this is usually the filings. The number of petitions to court is bigger, but a lot of times people are sent out of court to go get a credit counseling service and work on it. And I've heard that the ratio is three or four to one. So there could be as many as a million filings that go to court. However, some of those get pulled back and they're told, hey, you know what? We're not gonna cancel any of your debts under bankruptcy. You need to go get a credit counselor. And again, don't spend like a damn fool. Well, let's talk about a couple things on personal bankruptcies. Personal bankruptcy filings are also down um, for another reason. Student loans are not just chargeable. You cannot discharge a student loan debt in bankruptcy. You also cannot discharge alimony or child support, or if part of your child support, there was a $300 payment for a car that your, um, your ex-wife, ex-husband, whatever it is, um, has to take kids back and forth to school, they need a vehicle, you don't owe them a Cadillac, but there is some reasonable payment for a reasonable car so they could have transportation needs met. Guess what? You can't cancel that either. And medical is getting harder to cancel. Credit cards are getting harder to cancel because there's a lot of lobbying going on. There's a lot of push. There's also the fraud statute. The fraud statute is if you've run up credit card within 90 days of filing for bankruptcy, the court can turn around and charge you with fraud, because that's called a fraud. So they do, oh, you know, I'm gonna file for bankruptcy in a month, so you get another credit card, high interest rate, to put 10 grand on it, I'm gonna file for bankruptcy. Uh-uh, they will look at that and go, wait a minute, you played your way into this? Sorry, that will not be discharged. So there's a lot of things that won't be discharged. Now, medical bills up to a point for low-income people are dischargeable. Utility bills, personal loans, back rent, telephone, uh, a deficiency balance on a repossession. Your car gets repossessed. You owe eight grand on the car. They auction it off for $7,000. That $1,000 difference between what you own the bank and what they sold it at auction is called the deficiency balance. Uh, those can even be discharged. So bankruptcy does work for that. But the question a lot of people are asking, wh why do businesses have it so good? Well, businesses have what's called Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And so it's like this week, and I'm about to do the case study on this, we saw WeWork files for bankruptcy. And everybody goes, ha ha, 
And you see, you know, WeWork succumbs to bankruptcy. I saw that headline in a business publication. WeWork hasn't succumbed to anything. It's like saying, you know, my dear sweet, you know, relatives succumbed to cancer and passed away. That's not the way bankruptcy works. Chapter 11 bankruptcy, those laws for chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is for corporations, those laws have been determined by lobbyists. Lobbyists are looking for favorable terms for companies that go bankruptcy. They can break leases. They can have loans wiped out, debt wiped out. And then they do what's called emerging from bankruptcy and they go off onto the future. Consumers don't have that benefit. If a consumer files chapter 11, no hope bankruptcy, guess what? 10 years on your credit report and you're probably gonna have little tiny credit card that's attached to your checking account. So a debit card, also known as a refill credit card, where maybe you, you save some money and you put a few more hundred dollars on it, that's the balance. But for 10 years, if you filed a no-hope bankruptcy under Chapter 7, you're really in a tough spot. Now, if you file Chapter 13, it's seven years. So 10 years, seven years. Whereas companies, they can emerge from bankruptcy in as little as a year. They file for bankruptcy, they go to court, they wipe out a bunch of debts, because they've lobbied for the laws. But the courts are also trying to keep a company in business because it's paying employees and it's part of the local economy. So there's a benefit to helping a company restructure and get to the other side. But the benefits and the things that are available to companies are so much bigger than the benefits that are available for consumers. One of those benefits is connected to the golden rule of debt financing, which is this. If you own the bank, you owe that bank a million dollars, you're in trouble. They could take your car, your house, your future earnings, and they will. Now, if you own the bank and you owe that bank a billion dollars, they're in trouble. They could squeeze you into nothing. They're not going to get a billion dollars back. So that's where companies have the advantage because the banks quite often, they may write down the billion dollars to 700 million, but they're gonna get something back. So they allow the restructuring or they allow it to be paid over more years. They're in the business of doing that. It's similar for consumers with credit counseling, but consumers have a tougher time and have a tougher road back from bankruptcy, usually than companies do, unless the companies eventually fall to bankruptcy and auction everything off and then the banks and everybody else you know, are just completely screwed as well as the people that work there. And now speaking of this, I'm gonna take you through a bankruptcy that is not as bad and is much different from the headlines and that's WeWork. So I'm gonna take my vault here. And by the way, this is cucumber mint and you can go to Amazon, you can get cucumber mint, black cherry, watermelon, fantastic. Go get yourself some at Amazon and unlock your brain with vault. You know, no sugar and a lot, Better mental stimulation. It says, I love it. Get yourself one. Now, let's unlock your brain with the WeWork case study. All right, all right, all right. I found my board. Cucumber mint. Loving that. Okay, we said we'd talk about WeWork and the bankruptcy. About two months ago in August, I was talking about what was going on to, with WeWork as they were getting ready to file bankruptcy. They were in the middle of a restructuring. And so now it's happened. They filed bankruptcy and there's big headlines that are out there. BK, bankruptcy. So now 
we take a quick history back here, history lesson. I gave you a history last time, and now we're gonna take a look at this in terms of the stock price and the valuation and go really quick on a graphic from our good friends over at Reuters. So you start out at $527 a share, October 22nd, 2021. Wait a minute, that's two years and two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? And you look at this, this is like a slide down Mount Everest. We get down, they announced closure of locations in um, October of 22. A year after this, they're all the way down here at a value of, of 100 a share, but they're still driving. Then they cut jobs in January of this year. Then, last time I talked about it, they talked about, hey man, we need to do a stock split because we have to avoid being delisted. In other words, as they were heading toward a dollar, the New York Stock Exchange was saying, we may delist you, take you off the stock exchange as a non-investable um, ticker. And here we are now, bankruptcy protection, 84 cents. So I wanted to quick history and take a look at this to see how bad the situation is. What a slide here from multi-billion dollar unicorn to 84 cents a share. Okay, so let's go back to our last episode. Last episode, we talked about headwinds. Headwinds, COVID and work from home, input, right? People went home, commercial real estate, a lot of people didn't pay their leases, a lot of businesses didn't pay their leases, and commercial real estate was suddenly available everywhere. So why do I need WeWork? Why do I need to rent commercial real estate if it's available everywhere? Then we had the new CEO saying significant doubts about the company's viability. Now he was saying that because they were getting ready to, to declare bankruptcy, and you're gonna see why he said it in a minute. Then they had mountain of debt, billions of dollars of debt, billions. We'll talk about what that means. And then competition from their own landlords. So check this out. Landlords were typically doing long leases. That's the game a commercial owner and a commercial landlord plays. However, they started doing short leases, meaning flex leases. They're like, wait a minute. If WeWork is doing it and I've got space available, why don't I do short and flex leases? Now they maybe didn't make a big business and made all the uh, features and accoutrements that uh, WeWork had at its locations, but they started competing with WeWork. So their own landlords competed with them. Well, why would you rent it from uh, WeWork? We'll give you a short-term lease. You need a three-month lease, we'll do it. So, or flex leases. So landlords started responding to the same business model that WeWork had because of all the economic headwinds that were going. So we talked about that last time. All of this was in the face of WeWork driving that stock price down. Then we talked about the stock split and restructuring at being part of that, you know, BK auction was coming up and they've got actions they want to take. And so they did a 40 to one stock split. So let's go talk about it. What is a stock split? Well, if you don't maintain a certain price on the stock market, they will delist the company. That's bad. Second, their decision when they were trading at 14 cents was do a 40 to one reverse split, which is 560. In other words, they took 40 shares off the market at 14 cents, put one share back on the market or basically run the split to artificially move that 14 cents to 560 to keep from being delisted. It's artificial. It didn't change what was going on. It didn't change all those headwinds. It just kept them from being delisted. It did not also give them any cash. You know, when they do that, there's no new issuance of stock. They're just trying to keep it on there so that there's an equity that can trade in the future as a unit of value because they need that. They don't want it to go off the stock market. 
So now let's go take a look. You know, I showed you this on the first chart where you can see how it went all the way down here to 14 cents in August. Now let's look at a stock chart that shows you from August what it looks like. Bingo, 560, the same August 18th, this gets pulled up to 560 because there's fewer shares out there, 40 to one. And then they come all the way down here to 84 cents. There is an announcement that was made that, hey, they're gonna be filing for bankruptcy. And on November 6th, the NYSE halted trading of WeWork. You cannot trade. There's too much uncertainty. You're all the way down to 84 cents again. We warned you back this summer. Now you're down to 84 cents again. You artificially brought it up here and you've even lost that value. Get it? So the stock was just part of the story. Now we go, whoop, and the stock market was not buying the story. Not at all. Okay, so why, why are they bankrupt? Let's talk about it. Well, they're making, I hear they're making millions of dollars a month. Yeah, well, it's not just that. Here's all their liabilities, and here's all their assets. Assets are good things, things you can sell for money, you know, things that represent money. Liabilities is dollars you own to the bank, and you can see the net income down here was paltry. So now I've got these side by side, again, thanks to our good friends at Reuters, and let's take a look at this. There's the asset to right here. This gap was almost $5 billion between their assets here, excuse me, and their liability there. You see that? And let's look down here. And they're losing money all the time, so there is no way to pay it. So I thought this chart would be a really good lesson to look at. They owe this much in liabilities, they have this much in assets, leaving a gap here, and they're not making hardly any profits, so how are they gonna pay that off long-term? The answer is they're not, so they enter into bankruptcy. Now let's talk about bankruptcy. There's a difference between personal and business bankruptcy. Any individual that fires, and I just talked about this, but if you're only watching the case study, I'll cover this again. Chapter seven bankruptcy for a person is called no hope. There is no hope you have of ever paying anything off. Or chapter 13 means there could be a payment plan. But both of those are bad because what happens is your credit gets crushed. Chapter seven, 10 years, chapter 13, seven years. Forget about getting a decent loan on a car. Forget about getting a credit card with a balance so you can travel easily. You are gonna be severely constrained because it's like you have two strikes against you because you know, who's gonna give you credit if you have this reputation thing on your credit report and you're gonna be paying the highest interest of anything. You go to Best Buy and buy a refrigerator and finance it through them, they're still gonna see that and they're gonna give you a higher interest rate and a worse price. It is a horrible experience. And there's a bunch of things you can't uh, take off such as student loans. Now businesses, they file for chapter 11, it's a restructuring. So when you hear a person has filed for bankruptcy, it's usually bad on a semi-permanent level because it's in their back, it's gonna be in their background for so long. Businesses, it's really, when you hear chapter 11 bankruptcy, means restructuring. They're gonna go see a judge and see if the judge is gonna wipe out loans or mark them down. And a lot of times there's nothing the lenders can do because of the bankruptcy laws that are in there. And businesses don't have to have a means test. A court is going to see if you try to file Chapter 7 bankruptcy in the United States of America and that judge doesn't think it, they'll say you don't pass the means test. You can pay off some of this. You may have a lot of debt, but you can pay off some. And guess what? You don't get to just wipe it out. So that's called the means test. Businesses don't need a means test. 
assets, liabilities go out of whack, they can go to a judge and start restructuring debt. And then they can emerge or exit bankruptcy almost good as new, where it's seven to 10 years for the consumer. So this is a very different deal. Now let's look at the bigger picture. This is US corporate bankruptcies. This is not small business, this is big corporate bankruptcies. And if you think that everything is rosy in the economy right now, it's not. Look at this. The blue is January through August of each year. The light blue is the rest of the year. And here's the total. Now, I have stats through August. Look at that 459. You see there? Look at that. 466 in 2020. That was the middle of COVID. But look here. You go all the way back here, you have to go back to 2010. Whoa, wait a minute. That was two years after the crash of 2008, where companies were suddenly reconciling the impact of 2008 and filing for bankruptcy protection. This is the highest number of corporate bankruptcies going in for restructuring that we've had since 2010, except for COVID, and it was almost the same number. You see what we're looking at here? This is going to be a very rough year. Now, why is that an issue? That means banks are gonna be writing down balances. That means people are probably gonna be subject to layoff because sometimes in bankruptcy, they lay off a few people. They cancel product lines. They do everything they can to come out of it. But the point is, everybody's talking about how good the economy's be and everything, but the backdrop here is there's things below the surface that are going on and corporate bankruptcies is significant. Now let's look at it by month. That was by year, look at it by month. Look at 2023, look at this, and look at prior. You have to go back to March of 21. Hey, that was a year after COVID hit. COVID originally hit in February of um, 2020 when the NBA and the NHL and all those cancellations in sports, and look what happened that summer. We shut down the economy and corporations ran to the court saying, I gotta get a loan restructured. If you're shutting me down here and I own 200 restaurants, I'm in trouble. So I had the, there's, there's where it got restructured. There's where they went. But now look at where they are. We haven't seen a 70 since this time. All of a sudden back here, we have a 70, a 64, and a bunch of 50s. Look at this. There's 150 there, a couple 50s there, 74. It's coming, folks. There's a lot going on. So back to WeWork. So in other words, a lot of bankruptcies are happening in general, even though WeWork is a bright, shining star of personal cataclysmic decisions. So they have a restructuring plan. What's the restructuring plan? Well, they said they went to 92% of their lenders agreed to convert 3 billion of debt to equity. Equity means stock. That's why they needed the stock to stay on the stock exchange. That's why they're hoping that it's gonna start trading again with the restructuring plan because these people had a $3 billion loan. They've turned it into stock where now they'll sit there and wait and watch to see if the company goes up $3 billion or more in valuation so they could sell that stock and get their money. You see what just happened? Now they're not making payments. So $3 billion of debt converts equity. Why would someone do that? They have a gun to their head. I'm gonna go into a judge, I'm gonna ask him to wipe out your loan. No, 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 maybe I'll agree to convert it to equity. There you go, step one. Then they re renegotiated 600 leases creating 12.7 billion in future savings. Remember the liabilities I talked about? They're trying to lower it. Then this little footnote was in there. They are stating 
that they intend to break 69 leases by getting a judge to sign off on the order. 41 of those will be in New York. So if New York has a lot of excess inventory now, they're about to have 41 leases for God knows how much square footage in New York is about to be broken by WeWork. The name will come off the door, the space will be available, and the commercial real estate issue will be even bigger. Also, they have 400 other landlords. They got these 600 done. There's 400 others that apparently they're still trying to push. They're going to have the court do it. Then, and your honor, 2,700 hardworking people need to keep their jobs, and we can need to keep paying for security, alarm, cleaning, and things to keep our other locations open. Get it? Get it? So the judge goes, yeah, it will be good for you to stay in business, so let's wipe a bunch of this stuff off. It's a restructuring plan. This corporate bankruptcy, you know, this is similar, but on a big, hairy level, to what consumers do when you get credit counseling or a debt counselor at the order of the court for a Chapter 13 bankruptcy on a personal level. Then they said they're trying to find the optimal business model, but they are now competing with landlords that are offering cheap space. Go to any building and ask them for a WeWork deal. They'll probably give it to you in certain states where they've got, uh, certain cities, excuse me, where there's inventory. Why wouldn't they? So now what are the lessons for you and me? First of all, you have to manage your business carefully, and I'll tell you why. Small business bankruptcy is personal, and let me tell you why. Those of you that run a small business know what this is, PG. Hey, I'll give you a loan for those three trucks, Wells Fargo says, but you're going to have to sign a PG, a personal guarantee. It's against your house. It's against any assets you have. So small businesses usually get tied to to the personal side. You're not big enough as a corporation to be given you know, corporate type uh, loans or bonds, and so they tie it to you. As a small business person, it's tied to the owner, and the banks are not dumb. By tying it to you, it also ties it to you in the case of bankruptcy. And most people want to avoid bankruptcy at all costs because you have seven to 10 years gonna be on your credit, and you can't get loans after that. Then. Why do corporations have leverage? I understand there's credit counseling, BizDoc, but why do corporations have such lessons? They influence the law through lobbyists and donations to political candidates. That's how they do it. And that's how the laws work better for them than they do for people. And remember the golden rule of debt negotiation. If you owe the bank a million dollars, you're in trouble. If you owe the bank a billion dollars, they are in trouble. So they are more likely to say, hang on, hang on. How are we going to renegotiate this? How are we going to put it together? How are we going to get it? So remember, when you hear bankruptcy and you see articles or tweets, or what do they call them on X now? X's? You, you have posts on X rather than tweets. You see things, ha ha, we work in the tank in bankruptcy. Nope, bondholders are in the tank. Landlords are in the tank. Debtors are in the tank. Service providers are in the tank. We work as a restructuring plan to protect the core business and to protect 2,700 jobs. And the judge is more than likely to come together and agree to that plan. And when he signs the document at that moment, whoosh, tons of things get wiped out. And now there's companies that have gone through multiple bankruptcies. Guitar Center has been in and out of bankruptcy for the past 10 years, it seems. So a lot of times, 
just to stay in business, rumbling, strumbling, they'd rather it not go to zero. They'd rather there be some way for it to stay in business, specifically $3 billion of debt holders that converted to equity that want to see WeWork come out of bankruptcy with some sort of path, you trade it on the stock market so that equity has a prayer over time of being worth $3 billion. Get it? That's why it's called restructuring and exiting bankruptcy. And that, in some ways, is a good thing for the economy because it saves jobs. But there are sides of the economies that get really screwed when those bankruptcies come down and the judge strokes their pen. And there you go. A lot of debt disappears. And that, my friends, is the story of WeWork so far. We'll see what happens coming out of bankruptcy. Pay attention to common news stories that you'll be able to find on it so that you could kind of stay up to speed. And I hope those lessons were helpful for you as you run your business, understanding what's up with them. Now, I'm going to take my vault. I hope I unlocked your brain. And I'm going to go back to the studio. All right. I love that. I love these case studies, and I love doing case studies for you, especially when there's a story like WeWork that makes sense. And by the way, check out on screen here, you've got the WeWork case study from August and my original WeWork case study. Click on one of those to go check it out. This is an opportunity to learn lessons without being in the middle of a tornado, which is always a good thing. Learning how to surf the economy and learn from the mistakes other people make and from the successes they make. And as I like to say, I am Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and I hope I left you better than I found you.